And welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion Jeff Fiegels, and we'll be here for the next hour to talk New York Giants football with you. You can reach us via the phone lines at 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960, or you can go to Twitter and hit us up at hashtag GiantsChat. And don't forget, folks, you can always go to the Giants website at Giants.com slash podcasts slash questions. And we'll get to some of your thoughts as well through the website. Good morning, Jeff. Great to talk to you again. Good afternoon. It, uh, it is hot <laughs> in New Jersey, isn't it? You didn't get that, did you? It's well, 12 it's after. It's not I morning. know. It's afternoon now. Paul, well, get it, up. It, Come on. It, no, no, wait a minute. It was, it was morning 90 seconds ago. Yeah, well, 90 seconds ago. But it is hot today. <laughs> the show's hot today. Everything's hot today. We're yeah, doing really good. Is. Good to be yeah. here. Good to we be got, here, Paul. How you been? I'm doing okay. Doing good. okay. We got, we got a bunch of topics to get to. Of <laughs> course, uh, you did see, as, as well as I know the fans are very much aware, the Giants have begun to allow some of their people into the facility. Governor Murphy had already okayed that uh, some time ago. The NFL has done so as well. And so the Giants have limited people. Uh, including John Mara and Dave Gettleman, as they said during their announcement yesterday, who have entered the building as the Giants try to get back to some sense of normalcy. Well, that's a step, right? That's kind of the first step we've all been waiting for, people to get back over there. Obviously, the really important people are there. Um, and I think it's just probably a time when they're setting up shop. And, you know, the, I think the biggest problem, if you will, is getting it ready to have people back in the building, Paul, when you talk about all the cleanliness and things they have to do to, to for the future. Um, so I think once they get this little trial error down, the trial and error from the guys that are there, then, you know, as soon as Governor Murphy says more, then more will come through there. But I think it's going to be a while, um, you know, before the whole crew is back. But we'll see what happens. I well, hope they're back the, soon, though. As the Giants have said, it's a small number of business operations yeah, and there you go. medical staff. That's all they've got right now. We do know that the medical staff is allowed to treat players who need treatment. Yeah, those are the only players who can show up. Sure. Yeah. And, 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 and again, that, that's been going on even, you know, back weeks and weeks ago. I mean, so I think that, you know, I don't know how many guys are actually using the facility to do that. Obviously, we don't know because we haven't been there. But the bottom line is whoever is or isn't there, hopefully they're healthy. They've had some plenty of time, an extended period of time when you think about everything that's been missed, Paul, up sure. to this point, right? I mean, usually there's guys that are that have gotten hurt by now because of OTAs mm-hmm. and mini camps and things like that. So as far as a healthy roster, I think everybody in the NFL has a healthy roster at this point. Now, the only thing I do know is that the VP of Medical Services, Ronnie Barnes, has been the guy who is leading the Giants' efforts in trying to comply with all of the medical restrictions Mm -hmm. that they're going to have to have before any of us can be considered to get back to the Quest Diagnostics Training Center. I'm just concerned that if there is a height requirement, Lance may never get on the show again. (laughs) Well, we've got the sandbags. We can get them. You know, we can get some platform tubes. Shoes for him. We'll figure it out. We'll Buy him some out. extra tall cleats, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, good thing that we're just on the radio. So um, that is true. And we can know. always hook him up from home, as we've been doing throughout the course of this pandemic. Yeah. He seems a lot taller from home. 
<laughs> in any event, folks, it's 973-667-1960. That is nineteen sixty. if you want to make it easy for yourself. There is one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Jeff, because we got this uh, email from Josh from Westchester. And I know if we get phone calls, I will get to your calls in just a bit. We may have a special guest coming up there in the second half of the show. Not quite sure, so I won't promise you that. But there is this email that did come in through the website. And Josh was talking about how listeners love to talk about the offensive and defensive personnel groups and the concepts and the schemes and the coverages. But he says, you know, he hasn't got a clue when it comes to special teams. And he says he thinks an in-depth special team show would be really interesting. And obviously having Jeff Fiegels on the show yourself would be a great time to do it. Now, I don't know how deep we're going to go here, especially if we start getting some phone calls. But, but I do think there are some things that you and I have talked about many times off the air regarding special teams that would probably be some of interest to our listeners because, after all, it is a third of the game, as, as we have often, often discussed. And I think one of the biggest questions that I've always had, and you've never been able to justify it, so I'm going to ask you on the air, and maybe the listeners can understand why you're so puzzled about it. We often see former players become defensive coaches, for that matter, even coordinators, and sometimes head coaches. We never really see any special teams guys become coaches. Why? Well... What do, you, what do you mean become coaches? We've had a couple. I mean, our head coach for the Giants is a special teams coach. Oh, no, no, a, no, no. Special teams players. Oh, become coaches as far as um, special teams coaches? You mean like they go special, from a player? Yes. Like special, a David Tyree, for instance. Like exactly. That, yeah. Special um, teams guys who excelled at special teams, yeah. they know how to get it done. They know the mentality, the emotions that it takes, the physicality that it takes, mm. the wherewithal that it takes better than anybody, well, and none of those guys ever get to be coaches. I think that the reason I, I feel is the skill set. I, I feel like the, if you're a, a positional player, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, a receiver, a quarterback, I feel like those guys want to get into the game and coach the position that they played forever, even though that a linebacker or a safety or a receiver, you know, they did play special teams, but that was kind of secondary for them. So I feel like their expertise they bring to the table is their position and their and their experience from that. And it probably goes a lot further than brought into special teams. Now, it's a great question, and I'm glad that somebody brought this up finally because I, I would like to spend just a couple minutes on this. First of all, I don't think people realize, and, and when you talk about Joe Judge and you talk about like John Harbaugh and these guys that have become head coaches from the special teams coaching position, you know, they are the one coach that has a footprint or, if you will, their hands on every player in the building with meetings. Okay, so think about this. There are, there's a punt team, there's a punt return team, there's a kickoff and a kickoff return team. Mm -hmm. There's a field goal, a field goal block team. Mm -hmm. There's an onside kickoff team, an onside kickoff return team, which is called the hands team. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to feel the kickoff after a safety. You've got to feel the kickoff for a safety. Think about this, folks. One, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine. That is ten position like 10 units it's units I, it's it's units more units than any other part of the game so 
my point being is the special teams coach can't just have six guys playing all these positions. This is, you know, and their skill sets for every single one of these guys. Kickoff return, you know, the wedge guys. Those aren't going to be your linebackers. Those are going to be your linemen. So, you know, the, the, and then you've got your offensive formation for, for uh, a field goal team. So the challenge you have being a special teams coach is, number one, fielding all of these units. But the second thing is, and, Paul, you know this, during the week you have injuries. During the week you have guys that are promoted to starters. Then all of a sudden you have to promote a guy that's a second team or a third team or on the punt team up to second team, or now he's going to start. you got to get him reps. And so this goes along with, we call it the big four for those that are listening. The big four is punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. Those are your four biggest plays um, that take up the most yardage in a special teams play. The punt is the biggest one. It's the number one team on special teams is the punt team because there's a lot of things that can happen you can have a, a block kick huge momentum you can have a punt return for a touchdown against you another huge momentum play so it takes a lot of guys to play consistently on that on that that unit is the most important but for special teams you know the coach has to coach all of these and you don't have so many, you only have so many minutes in the day to coach these big four and then you have your other field goal field goal block team those are the six that you that are you usually are the most common ones so it is important um, some of the schemes that go into each one of these units changed weekly you hear uh, Joe judge talk about the offense and defense how they're going to be they're gonna they're gonna be like a chameleon they're gonna change weekly well that's nothing new to a special teams coach because their schemes, they, they change weekly. You might go against a returner that's not that good, a punt returner, and you can maybe do some things on punt. There, there's other days when you've got Deshaun Jackson back there or guys you know, that are just so, so dangerous that you're going to have to rely on your punter to get things done by kicking it directionally out of bounds. And, um, and then a return teams. There are some guys that, you know, punters that don't hang the ball very good and they kick it down in the middle of the field. So you've got a good opportunity to set up a punt return play that you work during the week. And hopefully you can get a, a hat on a hat, they call it, a guy that you can match up with and get your blocking schemes down to, to bust one and get a good return. You know, special teams coaches, they're looking for the home run, but they really, on punt return, the goal is two things, Paul. Number one, give the ball back to the offense. That's the number one goal on Ball security especially. Ball security. So you, the defense has just stopped the other opposing offense. You want to give that ball back to your offense. The last thing you want to do is put their defense back on the field or your defense. That's the Phil McConkey rule, as Parcells used to call it. Okay, I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the, that's the number one rule. The second thing is, is you want to make a first down on a punt return. So if you can get a 10-yard return, then you've made a first down for the offense, which is great. Okay? And then on punt team, you want to eliminate – we have goals. They, you know, there's a big special teams goals board that's in the special teams room um, that every week you try to you know, reach these goals. And 40-yard net is usually a goal for the punt team. You don't want to give up any big plays in any of the special teams of big four. No big plays against you. You want, you want a big play for you, and that would be either – in punt return is a return over like 15 yards. Um, punt, punt team, no big plays against you. So there's all kinds of things that go into this. And by the way, Yes, the call, the the question that we got, we always stress offense and defense. Well, they get a bulk of the practice. And, Paul, you've been out to practice. John's been out to practice. And Lance's been out to practice. We've seen over and over how the practices start. They start with special teams, 10 minutes. 
10 mm-hmm. minutes special teams period. Then they go into their stretching and their warm-ups, and then they go offense, defense, and then there's a 10-minute special teams period in the in the middle of the practice, and then there's a 10-minute special teams practice it, usually at the end. So you get 30 minutes a day for practice. And by the way, that is not every team. That's just the Giants. Now, I would imagine that you'll get at least that with Joe Judge, you know, being an ex-special teams guy. But I remember when I was with Buddy Ryan, we, we probably had 10 minutes. That was it. I mean, he gave Al Roberts, who was our special teams coach, five minutes before and five minutes during, and that was it. You know, so, you know, I, I just think that even though it's a third of the game, there's a lot of people that just discount it. Um, but I do believe that it's become so important nowadays that most teams are allowing that, that amount of allocation towards the time for practice because you have to. But if well, I the Giants thing, historically, the- Jeff, I would say this: mm-hmm. the Giants historically over the last thirty-something years. I mean, I'm going into my thirty-eighth season now. They have always placed an emphasis on special teams. They've been one of those teams mm-hmm. that early on identified that we need to put effort into this part of the game. Well, I, I, I and I, and I got to believe that because of that, they were probably one of the few teams that at the beginning started having a snapper. And, you know, they a did. guy that they brought in. And, and really, you're, you're the big three, those guys, your snapper, the holder, and the kicker, or the snapper, the punter, and the kicker, they have to be good. Those guys got to be good. Um, I've talked so many times when one of those positions is compromised, you got problems. Um, you know, what do you want out of your field goal kicker? Uh, some of the goals as a field goal kicker is inside 40 yards, 100%. Most NFL kickers should be 100% inside 40 yards. That's the goal there. And then as you move out, uh, some of the goals change a little bit. The other one is, uh, I would say, is on kickoff, uh, the punter, you know, you want to have a 40-yard net and eliminate your returns. So a lot of, and, and snapping, got to be consistent. That's what you want. So lots of stuff that goes into it. Um, we could probably talk, I could talk hours about this, but I know we don't have all that much time today. But it is a good, good question, and thank you for uh, chiming in on that. No, absolutely. It's a good it's a good question. There's even a whole lot more that I'd love to get into you with. However, the lines are lighting up. And so it's 973-667-1960. Folks, if you haven't called the show before, please give us a try. I know it could be busy because we only have one line with our remote setup, but do try again. We certainly want to hear from as many new fans. We we know we have our regulars and we love those guys. But we want to get as many new fans as possible to get in. And then once you can become part of the family, you can always give us a call back later on once the season begins. We should go to line one. Warren from Connecticut has been holding on. He'd like to talk about the new coaching staff. Hello. You're next on the show. Hey, hey guys. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Yeah. Really appreciate what you guys do. And you don't know what you do you know, to keep us giant fans, you know, um, in the game without sports today. So thank you kindly. Um, I do want to ask a quick question, but just wanted to make a, a brief statement um, that maybe you will react to or not. I would understand if you don't. But with all the strife today about taking a knee at football games and all the things that are going on with the rioting and so forth, um, I was listening to one of the interviews with Drew Brees, and I was thinking that uh, instead of people demonstrating by taking a knee or, or putting their hand on their heart or whatever, the, which way they want to celebrate the flag in the country, then maybe as games started, we could all – when times are better, either hold hands or turn around and say hello and welcome everybody around us like you do in church. So just a thought. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on it or not. If not, I'll get right on to my question. But Well, th- uh, thanks for the thought. I think any policies that are determined by the NFL go way above our pay grade. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, all suggestions are welcome, but it's not something we can uh, delegate out. Got it, got it. Well, thanks for letting me get that off my chest. So, sure. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, 
I'm excited about as a lifelong Giant fan, and I'm excited every year just like you are, Paul. But uh, it's a new coaching staff. And, of course, there's a lot of changes with the draft and with personnel and so forth. But the coaching is so important in football. Uh, I, I believe the staff is going to come in and do a great job of, of, of plugging some of the holes. But as I look at player by player and position by position in the team, it just seems like two, two arenas stand out. One is edge rusher and one is center. Uh, I know it's difficult to find edge rushers in today's marketplace. They're not a dime a dozen. There's issues with that. But it does seem with center, I, I, I guess as a fan, I don't fully understand what's happening with the Giants. I know there's several different options here. But if you could just talk a little bit more about what you think about the people that are available to us on the team right now, and are there other opportunities to find a center you know, before the season starts, if, if, if necessary? That's my question. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Warren. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Jeff, uh, you were pretty high on the Giants drafting a center uh, back mm-hmm. in April. I was a little bit less emphasizing that, but uh, the bottom line is right now they've got a few guys to choose from. I don't necessarily know if anybody's going to be walking into the front door unless a veteran should get cut right before opening day. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't either. Um, we're, listen, we're past June first, and there's there's some cuts that can be made. Um, that you know maybe that's what happens. Um, you know when you really look at it, I think Shane Lemieux was a guy that you, I think looked long term to maybe move into that position, but not necessarily now. I think the the answer to your question is who's on the roster. Well, you've got the guys on the roster that are going to compete, and that's Spencer Pulley, um, and you've got uh, Jalapio. These well, are the guys. Remember, are... John isn't signed. He's actually yeah, well, a restricted right. free agent, but we back. do expect him to I be coming back. Expect him back. Yeah. So I think that you know the bottom line here is competition, and and they're gonna they're gonna find somebody to play that position, obviously, and it's gonna be right now with who it is on this roster. I think the coaches are looking at they like who's here, and they're gonna compete. But there's always always a chance to improve your roster, but right now. It doesn't look like there's somebody out there that they feel 100% convinced that they can go get, or they would have probably done it. So, But there's a lot that can happen between now and when the season starts. So we'll see. Yeah, I would agree. There certainly are, are many, many weeks to go. I think it's – is it 98 days that I hear today on Sirius Well, NFL? I saw – yeah, it was 100 days a couple days ago that we're, we're narrowing so in on that So minus two number. is 98. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> there you yeah, go. There you go. Hey, Jeff, uh, this just came in on NFL.com. Uh, Kevin uh, Patra says NFL coaches will be allowed to return to team facilities starting Friday. Uh, I'm quoting here from his story. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport obtained a memo sent to teams from Commissioner Roger Goodell that allows coaching staffs to be among the employees eligible to return to club facilities beginning tomorrow, June 5th. Players not seeking treatment for injuries are still barred from working at team facilities. According to the memo, coaches may return only if the team has received necessary permission from state and local governments to reopen its facility. Clubs may also increase the number of employees in the facility to a total of 100 if allowed by local authorities. Hmm. And he says here, Rappaport reported the league anticipates only the 49ers are not able to get into their facility tomorrow. So we will see if uh, anything happens locally uh, in terms of the Giants and how they will react to that statement or if, in fact, uh, they are prepared to do so. Because, as we said, Ronnie Barnes, the VP of the medical staff, they've got a lot of preparations logistically to do before they start allowing extra people into the building. Perhaps they still need to get some things in order before Mm -hmm. they open the door. 
no, there's no question. And I, I don't I don't in from what I believe um, that, you know, there's there's still a long ways to go as far as like you said, Paul, there's so much preparation that goes into this. I don't know how much Joe Judge wants to disrupt what's going on right now um, by them moving into the building. There's no there's no difference other than the players aren't there. So I guess the only difference would be you would be in person to have staff meetings. You'd be in person to do that, but they would still be doing Zoom meetings from their offices. Mm -hmm. So the other thing you got to look at, too, is the coaches are dispersed. They're all over the place. So how are they going to get back? How quickly are they going to get back? Are some of them driving? Is some of them going to fly? Then you risk infection there. So there's a lot of things that go into this. Um, it's it's a very easy if everybody has been confined to one area and quarantined in New Jersey and they can just get in a car and move to the facility. But that's not the case here. It's it's got there's a lot of logistics that I think have to fall in place. Yeah, Definitely. I'm sure, and, and especially when you consider guys who do have to travel via air via airline. Yeah. Uh, you know, you also got to work out a scheduling situation where, hey, can I get a flight tomorrow or can I get a flight a couple of days That's later right. or do I have a connector yeah. or what am I doing? I mean, it's, it's, it's a problem. And, it's not something you snap your fingers on. And as you can see, Paul, this is a very fluid situation. I mean, things are coming in left and right. I mean, just a week ago, we didn't have any of this. So now things are starting to open up, and the governor daily is starting to announce that there are things that can happen. Uh, so sure enough, you know, maybe a week from now that something else changes. But I think right now what Ronnie Barnes and his staff and people are doing over at the facility, this is a warm-up for them. They're letting certain amount of people back in that building and being able to kind of like this is like a test for them to be able to to work on uh, cleanliness and things that they need to do. The the Center for Disease Control, what are the protocols that they have to do to open up that facility? Mm -hmm. That's important. I think that they're getting all that worked out right now so that when they are able to uh, and they are able to now. But when the when the Giants feel that it's appropriate, that they will bring the, the amount of people that they want back, they're ready for them. And they're ready for it because they have prepared for just the amount of guys that are in there now. Well, in short, each individual team has to be comfortable with their safety level. That's right. It's yeah. not just about are you allowed to do it. It's about do we feel like we're ready to do it. Yeah. And really, I mean, let me ask you. So do you see any advantage, big advantage of having all the coaches back in the building other than being, you know, staff meetings and working together that way? I mean. I, you know, the biggest reason that the that the coaches are in the building is to coach. Um, right. They can do everything they can at home right now as far as drawing up plays and communicating with the players and things like that. But, and they have remote access to the computer system, so oh, they sure. can get everything they need at home anyway. I yeah. don't know that there's a great advantage other than comfort zone and maybe looking over some notebooks and 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 loose leaves that you may have in your <laughs> office that have not been computerized. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Jason Garrett's been around a long time. I don't know if he's got everything computerized or if he does have some stuff that he would love to get to that are in notebooks at his desk. <laughs> I don't know that. I'm a, I'm a big pencil and paper guy. You know yeah, that, Jeff. I, I, so, I got I to tell you that I don't think – I think everything is on the computers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. The I'm other sure thing, too, is. that I know that's happening um, – because, as you know, I have to have some relationships with some of these coaches. Yes. Um, and, you know, what they've been telling me, it, obviously, they, they, they told me it's been going amazingly great. Um, and the guys have bought into everything. Um, they're really excited about when they get on their meetings. And, um, you know, they have the, the coaches have their their spots at home set up like their office at work. They mm -hmm. actually have a whiteboard. Um, they have an, an area where they can 
Uh, they're showing players tape. They're showing plays and they're having, you know, cut-ups and showing those on on the computer. Um, they're drawing up plays and showing things on the whiteboard as if the guys were sitting right there in the meeting room with them. So the only thing missing here is the personal touch. The guy can call somebody in his office and close the door and have a night, you know, personal cut, you know, face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is the on-field, which, by the way, I believe is going to hurt everybody, not just the Giants. This is going to hurt the whole NFL. Sure. Uh, because they have got this the national football is a teaching sport it's hands-on day by day hour by hour especially the younger guys that have to learn how to play at this level um they learn from experience being on the field not from just sitting in the classroom looking at the x's and o's on zoom that'll get it so far you know that's just like rowing your boat and you know you got a long ways to go you get there now what well you know we got to get a couple more oars in the water let's go Let's All right, go. folks, 973-667-1960. Back to the lines. Charlie in Portland, Maine, a regular, has gotten through again. Hello, Charlie. <laughs> He's like a little hey, mouse. Hey, guys, I'll make it quick. I just got a question for, well, both of you, but Jeff specifically, I guess, but both of you. You know, why Why don't they use the, the placeholder? Instead of a, a punter, use your backup quarterback. There's two things that happen. They got good hands. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay. okay. Now listen, Charlie. How old are you? Are you are you as old as us? You're in your fifties. I'm older than you guys. Okay, so you know. So, I, so yeah. Okay, I, you remember back in the day, the used punters, to be the punters never held field goals. It was always the it was always the, like, the, always the backup QB. quarterback. Mm -hmm. okay? Right. So here's the reason why. The, the position is so defined and so pure this, these days that they can't, they don't have the time on the field to have the backup quarterback come and work with the kicker and the, and the snapper. So during practice, the, the punter is there constantly, right? So they can work yeah. constantly together. So it's more of a practice thing and being able, being comfortable. They don't get the quarterback as much. That's the whole thing. That I, I can agree to you to a point because they're they're quarterbacks and you can do a lot of thing, different things out of shifting and formations and running plays, but you don't get yeah. the practice time that you used to be able to. You could be on the practice for four hours back in the day. You can't do that anymore. So that's the reason. That is the sole reason why that ha that happens. Charlie, okay. is that all? <laughs> all right. Thanks very much. I that's the first time I think I've ever shut Charlie up, and he hung up. Holy That's smokes. Uh, always hit us up on uh, at uh, Giants Chat on Twitter. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to give us a call, 973-667-1960. Again, don't be shy, folks. So We always have time to talk to you fans. Uh, that's what this show is all about. I, I did want to add one other item to this special teams discussion, Jeff, and this goes even more to the point of something that you and I have discussed about – guys who played special teams and then became coaches there are no former kickers who are special teams coaches you don't see retired punters or retired never. kickers never go into that line of never. work what they do is they have schools mm -hmm. or they have consulting businesses mm -hmm. uh, or they do private tutoring yep. but they never sign up with a team to say okay we're going to have a kicking coach yeah yep well, Why? Um, well, first of all, I, I don't. I I just feel like it's they don't think they're it's needed. Um, the other thing is I and I, 
you know, the kickers and punters, that that's obviously all they ever did. They don't know schemes and special teams and things like that. Um, they should because we sit in every stupid special teams meeting. Our coaches always used to make the kickers and punters sit in the kickoff return team meeting, punt return team meeting. Um, that's why I know so much about those other positions and how things are done because I've, I sat in thousands of hours of meetings. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's so specialized these days that the teams now there are teams, like you said, Paul, there are teams that guys have, they have these consultants that actually like the Baltimore Ravens have a kicking coach. Uh, they've got a guy that's been there forever. I think his name is Blevins. Um, he's been there forever and that's John Harbaugh. You know, he brought, he brought him in and said, Hey, you know what? We need to have a kicking coach because, mm -hmm. um, and it, the giants have as close as a kicking coach as they're going to get with Tom Quinn. Right. I mean, he is really, really good. Now, neither um, he nor Blevins, though, were kickers in the league at any time. Nope. And, none, and, and to answer your question, you're right. None of them have ever, ever. They, I, listen, all the years I played and all the special teams coaches I ever had, none of them ever played the position. Um, and I remember one of my coaches hit the nail on the head when he told me that all kickers and punters need to be self-taught because we're not going to help you. Uh, what we're going to help you with is, you know, practice and routine and things like that. Um, I have had a couple coaches in the past that have helped kickers and punters with their mental game, you know, which is which is important. But a guy like Tom Quinn, uh, you know, he he understands the position, whether it's kicker or punter, and understands the fundamental how things work in the kick, uh, overstriding, drop, you know, not following through, punching the football, your plant foot on kicking on on field goals. There's all kinds of things that he does understand. And I think that most special teams, like Mike Westoff, knows he knows a lot about kicking. But Mike Westoff, you'll never see Mike Westoff with the kickers and punters. Never. <laughs> he would never be over there trying to coach those guys. Well, he's and a scheme guy. He's a, definitely a scheme coach, you know, and he's coached other positions. Uh, just like Tom Quinn and McGahee. Those guys have all coached other positions. Mm -hmm. They just have ended up being really good special teams coordinators. Well, I think what's interesting to me, Jeff, is that we talk about quarterbacks coaches who will go through the film in detail to make sure that the quarterback's mechanics are correct. But on special teams, look, punters and kickers, they have mechanics issues too. Oh, my God. And, and so yeah. many special teams coaches are so into the schemes, I wonder how many of them really are capable of getting into the nitty-gritty of the mechanics. I, I would say probably less than half of them. Um, depends on how long, how long they've been around, what they've been around in college, you know, where have they been around kicking, punting and trust me, listen, special teams coaches, we don't, we talk a lot about just the kicker and the punter and the snapping position. But when you talk about techniques and fundamentals and you go down the line, the other 10 guys on that field, less the kicker, whether it's the punter or the kicker, every one of those units in the positions that those guys play are all technique and fundamentally oriented. I mean, you've got to understand how to play, you know, the left guard on the punt team. You've got to understand what your responsibility and your technique and fundamentals is if you're the L3 on the kickoff team. And so, you know, those all have to be taught. So now we talk about timing. Remember how we talked about 30 minutes a day? Mm -hmm. Well, the special teams coaches don't have all that time, much time to be coaching the, the kicker and the punter. They're expecting them to be coaching themselves. What they do do is when we have the time when they're in offense and defensive meetings, and all the, all the special teams players are in those meetings, that's when the kickers and the punters and the snappers and the special teams coaches get together and watch their individual film, which we, were, we would be filmed every single day, every single kick, charted every single kick, 
every day. And then that's what we would have to watch um, after practice. And then what would Tom Tom Quinn and, and, and Thomas McGahey be doing? They would be taking notes on what we're talking about in that meeting so that they have a knowledge of what's going on. What I would do with Tom Quinn is I would ask him to watch certain things for me. You know, my stride or, you know, was I waiting on the football or what's my footwork? And then he would kind of come back with me with a report like, you know, hey, last week I saw you do this or, you know, the, today I saw you do that. And those are the things that, that they're there for. They're also there to, you know, to really drive these guys because kickers and punters sometimes seem to be a little bit lazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> once they're done kicking, they want to go find the golf oh, club. I, and I remember play. a certain punter telling me about all the golf stuff that he used to do during well, his that, career. But see, here's the thing. <laughs> see, golf and punting are very, very similar. So mm-hmm. uh, the, that's why I got away with it. I would say oh, I got to practice okay. my game. Good excuse, you know? Jeff. Good excuse. <laughs> it was a good excuse. 973 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. One quick uh, comment about your special teams conversation before we move on and hopefully we'll get another phone call the line is open and that is you know so many times you'll hear coaches say it's about what we do it's not necessarily about what the other team does is that the primary focus in your mind on special teams is it more about what you guys want to do with your scheme against a particular opponent because i will tell you a little secret that i learned yeah now you and i both know very well what jesse hester used to do for the chicago bears mm-hmm. uh uh delvin hester i'm just yeah. calling him jesse devin 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 right devin um he was as dangerous a kick returner as i've ever seen i know that you know gail sayers Gil Sayers was a tad before my time. I was still a little kid, and, and Sayers was already banged up and hurt by the time I got to see him play. So Devin Hester was by far the most dangerous kick returner, I believe, that I've ever seen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I got told one time by a former Chicago Bear who said to me, you know what people don't understand about him? All you had to do was to make him go horizontally for the ball, and that neutralized him. But nobody ever realized that. Mm-hmm. And they would keep kicking it so where he could backpedal and then take that step or two forward, get his momentum, and mm-hmm. then take off. Or they would kick it short, or they would kick it to the angle, but he would always be able to run up to the ball, get his momentum going, and he was impossible to stop. He said all they really had to do was to get him to go horizontally, and mm-hmm. it neutralized him. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... How much of that strategy comes into play when you're worried about what the other team can do to you on special teams? Well, it, it, it comes in huge. And, and listen, I, 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 because I played in, in three, three decades, okay, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, I saw the game of football change in front of my eyes and from in the returning position. Back in the day, in the 80s and the 90s, there was maybe a handful of guys back there that could do, a, do you know, uh, the Mel Grays of the world. Mm-hmm. You had the um, Billy uh, White Bar- Shoes Johnson. But yeah, and uh, Brian Westbrook. I mean, guys, mm-hmm. you know, a few guys that when you came into, you know, once in a while, you'd be like, oh boy, we're going up against this guy this week. Okay. Well, in the NFL today, you've got, you've got every week, there's a guy that can really do something dangerous to you. So what word does the onus become on the players in their fundamentals and the teaching? Yes, you got to do what you can do. Take care of you. Take care of you. And that is position. So Devin Hester, the first thing that Devin Hester is, kick the ball away from him. 
That's the first thing you can do, right? Make him go get the football. So we would have to play mind games with him. If it's on the right hash, a lot of people think that I would be going down the right hash, and that's where Hester thinks. Well, I would have to, we would have a left call. From the far right-hand hash, I would kick it across the field so that he would have to run all the way over there to get it or try to kick it out of bounds, you know, either one. But here's the thing. Your gunner's got to get down there, and then you have contained guys. If your contained guys get sucked up inside and there's no outside coverage, that's when he does what he does, right? But if you can build a wall and make him go horizontally, somebody's going to be able to get him. And that's where things break down, Paul. So he's so elusive and has such great moves that guys fall for those and they get out of technique. And they get out of positioning. You know, we talk about all the time defensive linemen and offensive linemen, how they're, you know, they're, they're fit. You, they need good fits, right? Well, on special teams, you got to have good fits too. you got to stay in your lane when you're running down on kickoff. You can't go inside and leave that lane open because there, someone's going to hit that lane and it's wide open. And then there's the kicker. You think the kicker's going to make the, the tackles? Now, Rosas is pretty good at making tackles, I will tell you, but not everybody. So the answer to your question is, yes, you just take care of what you can do, and that's where the game plan and schemes come in. There are some games, Paul, that we go into, we know we're not going to get anything. We know mm -hmm. that the kickers are the punchers. Like I can tell you right now, there's a lot of teams that knew when they were playing the Giants that they were not going to get a lot of returns because I'm going to kick it out of bounds or I'm going to kick it sure. five feet from the, from the sideline. Well, so Tom gonna... backed you up in that philosophy. Thank you. But here's the thing. They would try, then they try to find something else what we could do. Where can we make a big play on special teams? Well, maybe it's uh, from the field goal block team because Tynes kicks it so low. I'm just making the, mm -hmm. you know, just things you could come up with. But there's some games you go in there and say, listen, we're not going to get much because these guys are really good on special teams. And I think that I've made this point before. The Giants are really good on special teams. And that seems to be the case. There's teams that are be this year they're going to be going against the Giants going, you know what, we're not going to get much on special teams because they're solid and they have a coach that really emphasizes it. And I do believe that a lot of the guys that are here are because they play great special teams and that they're going to win some games. And I mean games maybe one or two that you're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. They're going to win it on a special teams play. Ebner, a guy that's just an outstanding player, can make a play on something, right? Mm -hmm. um, these are some good special teams core guys that are important. And when you have a team like the Giants that are young, that are coming off a bad season and they've got change everywhere – the most consistent thing you can do is find really good special teams players to make an impact on a game day because one-third of the game, right? We mm -hmm. know that. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I found interesting about specials, and we've never actually talked about this off the air, Jeff, but I'm curious as to your take also about the way the position of the punter has evolved. Because I remember as a kid growing up, it was all about the guy who could boom it the furthest. You know, if you were averaging <laughs> yeah, over 40 sure. yards a kick, that was the big deal. Yep. And then it was like, well, you know, if you can get over four seconds, you know, hang time is pretty cool, too. Yep. And then after a while, Dave Jennings, you know, convinced Elias in the NFL, you you have to start talking about net punting average because the coffin corner is important. And sure. Dave Jennings was so good at doing that. And then, so now that was part of the deal. And then it was, okay, so now how many kicks can you get inside the 20? And mm -hmm. nowadays it's also the rugby kick mm -hmm. because you want to make sure that there's, the ball's just going to die in, in the field of play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there, there have literally been 
so many metamorphoses, if, exactly. if you will, from yeah. the punting position since I was a kid back in the in the early 70s. No it really boggles my mind at how the position has changed. It, it, it's in, in my opinion, I've, I've talked about this before to some people. I think it's the one position in football that has morphed into morphed the most times. I mean, you've gone just you went through the whole thing. Right, you went. You went through the whole thing. Is there now, a style I'm missing there? Because well, I think you, that's you, all of them. Well, there's there's a style you're missing, but it's not in the pros, uh, because you can't do it in the pros, and that's the rollout rugby kick. Okay, which, which they do in college. We've seen it when we've been doing games for sure. the conference. So there's guys that roll out, but you know that's because in college, right when the ball snap, everybody can run down the field. And the premise behind the rollout rugby kick is that you roll out and you let the guys get down the field, and then by the time you kick it. The, the returner, if, if he does catch it, the guys are right there. But that you could never do that in the pros. But no, you you've, you're spot on, and it's changed so much. I you know I've been out kicking with my son um, the last few weeks, and you know he does the rugby style kick, the end over end, and he does it directionally. And the thing about that kick, Paul, it doesn't move. It's straight as an arrow. It's end over end, and it goes. You can just aim it and rip it, and it goes where you want it to go. The coffin corner was much more difficult. You had to get that spiral going where it turned over, mm-hmm. and then you had to kind of work on the bounce if it was going to go bounce, hit, and do to the right. Or if you kicked it a sky or pooch punt, they call it, where the guy used to stand on the 10-yard line and used to try to kick it really, really high, and the guy would just catch it. And then if he didn't catch it, he'd let it go over his head, but you never knew where it was going to go because it's – but the pooch, the 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 uh, the Australian rules kick, it has that end over end. When it hits the ground, most of the time it comes backwards. Right. So it's perfect. It's perfect. I just wish I knew how to do that back then. See, see, when Jennings started doing the coffin corner way back when in the in the mid seventies, early to mid seventies, when he got to the Giants, uh, in those days we used to marvel at how if the ball would would hit somehow, some way, because we would always say, how could he possibly control it when it bounces? <laughs> yeah. But he somehow found a way to most of the time get the ball to bounce favorably for him. Mm-hmm. which was always um, amazing to everybody who watched in the stadium. Well, let me tell you, I, I, I watched him, um, and I perfected it myself. I, I, it's in, I can't teach it to you on the air. <laughs> this no, is no. you understand it takes – And in those know. days, he was like a maverick because he was one of those few guys who was able to do that. He was sure. like one of the pioneers yeah. in, in your industry, in your business. See, I knew, I knew how hard and how – how I needed to kick the football from certain parts of the field from the 50-yard line in. I knew, so, you know, it's almost like, it's like putting, okay? So if I got to get the ball to the hole, you know, I'm going to use a 100% of um, putter. You know, so I'm going to put it 100%. If I'm going downhill, I'm probably only going to put that thing like maybe 60%, right? Because the hill is going to get the ball to the hole. Mm-hmm. Uphill, I might have to hit it 110%. Well, I knew it sitting on the 40, the 45, 50, 38, 37. I knew exactly how I had to hit those kicks because of thousands of practices. Um, and, you know, that's I just I just knew it. So in the game, I, I hit it so many times. I just understood how to do it. And my favorite kick was that right corner where the ball would turn over. And when it landed, it kicked exactly right. <laughs> and it went so many Saw times it would so hit and just many, go yeah. right out of bounds at the three. And you, oh, and I, I can picture like, you doing it now. I can picture it now. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it was so much fun, and that was my bread and butter. And I'll tell you what, there there isn't a day that went by that when that ball was on the, the other side of the 50, I was ready. That was just I knew that I could execute that kick every single time. Now, I was scared to death backed up in the end zone because, you know, I didn't have the strongest leg in the world, but I could put it where I wanted to. 
um, later in my career, that's what became an advantage for me because even though I couldn't kick it 65 yards in the air like a lot of these big guys did, I could kick it 45 yards on an angle and kick it out of bounds. It's just as good. Now, how important was it for you to understand the timing of your gunner? Did you have to know wherever you were on the field that, hey, I know that Tyree needs this much time to get there? Yes and no. I, you know, on an open field kick, it's just up to those guys to get down there and make a play for me. Um, and they did a great job at it. When we were on around the 45-yard line, 50, I knew that if – and it depends on the rush. A lot of times when teams are around the 50-yard line, 45 yards going in, they have that, that punt safe, they call it, where the defense stays in the mm-hmm. game, and they're not going to rush me. So I can take a little bit extra time to buy those gunners some time to get down the field. And you've seen it before where any of those gunners have turned around and they, you know, they're, the, the returners are instructed not to go inside the 10-yard line because if that ball hits and it hits them, then it's our ball if we recover it. Right. So they just usually just give up, and then, the, and then the gunners are free. So if I buy them a little bit of time and then they turn around and that ball's still in the air, we practice it in practice where I would just basically play catch with those guys. I would kick it off my foot. They'd turn around and catch it. Right. And Tyree and I executed that thing 100 times mm-hmm. in games. It was beautiful. It was an art. I loved it. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much, Leonardo da Vinci. You're welcome. 973-667-1960 is our phone number. Give us a call. We have a line open, and, of course, always at hashtag Giants Chat. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at Giants WFAN. Uh, we do have some other questions that have been sent to us through the Giants website. Uh, JD wants to know, what move in free agency did you like the most? I'm assuming he was talking about the Giants moves. He may have been talking about the league. But of the Giants moves, do you have one at this point, or is it too early to tell, Jeff? Um, well, let me just go down here and try to figure out. I'll, I'll tell you one that I do like. Um, he may not be so impactful that you'd be like, wow, that guy is this amazing. But I think Cam Fleming is a guy to me that I think is important. Um, he comes from Dallas. He comes with experience. He comes from New England. He also has been with um, the offensive line coach. Okay, and so I think that's a, that's a really good signing to me. Um, the other one that may not seem to, probably not a lot of people get excited about this, but I do, because I feel like Saquon Barkley is going to be used like you can't believe. Okay, I really like Deion Lewis. I think that he is a good football player. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that's going to be able to help this team on special teams, and he's a guy that's going to be able to you know, to come in for Saquon when you need him. Because are you banking on Saquon to be healthy for all 16 games? Okay. Um, yeah, you hope so. But I do like him. Um, on the defensive side of the football, um, um, you know, I don't get too excited about any of these people other than the fact that probably I think Bradbury is a guy that I think was needed. A veteran corner. We do the Giants did need that, and we'll see how good he can play. Um, one more, Paul, that I answer his question that I think that is not so much a. It's he's a free agent, but he was on the team, and I think that David Mayo is a guy that is very underrated. That I think will be very good for this football team. I really do. A lot of good special teams player and a guy that can fill in a pinch with the starting role at linebacker. He had a good season last year. He really did. Yeah, it would be easy to go to one of the linebackers in terms of Fackwell or Martinez because of their mm-hmm. positions and because of the snaps they'll probably get. But for me, not knowing how DeAndre Baker uh, is going to play out with his entire situation, Bradbury probably would be my pick. Although, 
I would really, really have a hard time bypassing a guy who I am shocked you did not name, Casey Kreider, the Giants' new long snapper who was a pro bowler with the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I cannot believe you yeah. neglected to name him. Yeah. Well, I, I sorry. I, I just, you know. That's I mean, a big deal, Jeff. We just got done talking how many, 35, 40 minutes of special teams? Mm-hmm. And they got themselves a Pro Bowl long snapper. Yeah. Well, isn't that the way it always goes? <laughs> Shame on you. Guys. You are now officially a member of the media. You forgot to talk right, about special so, teams. So then, when I get a chance to see Casey, I'm going to own up to it. I will tell him that we were on the air one day and we were going over this stuff. And I failed to mention that you were one of the better free agent acquisitions. And my friend Paul Dottino brought it up. I will there tell you him go. that. Okay, I mean, but yeah, look, he's a, he's an important one because he saw what happened last year um, on the tail end of the season with Zach, and things fell apart, and so did Aldrick, and you know the the whole kitchen sink fell apart. I think this is important. It really well, is. It'll the Giants good. have to win special teams almost mm-hmm. every week, don't That's they? That's right. Absolutely. Yep. And we've talked about it before. When one, you know, two out of three, uh, you got a chance to win, um, and one of them can be consistent. Win on special teams every week. I really believe that they, they're going to come close. They've got a great great squad. They had a good team. The last two years, the special teams and the Giants have been solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, really good. Really good. I think, I think that, you know, who's going to be the punt returner this year? I don't know. You know who, who do- they have options, though, Jeff. I think in both the kickoff and punt return game, they have options. A number of guys who have either done it in the pros or done it in college who, who I think they would probably feel comfortable with. Yeah, and, you know, and, in other words, competition is good because I think they have competition. Well, let's, I guess what I'm looking at more is like, is there the last time the Giants had a threat at a punt returner is probably Dave Maggot, right? I mean, someone where you win in every oh, Dominic, week. Dominic Hickson was pretty darn good. He was good, but he wasn't a guy that was just scared the heck out of you like David Maggot did. Okay, well, you 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 know better than I because special teams is your specialty, so to speak. But but I like Dominic Hickson a lot, and, I, and Ron Dixon before him. I love was, Dominic Hickson. You know, I mean, he Do- was Dominic so Hickson was good. terrific, and Ron Dixon was really good on kickoff return. Yeah. So I, I you know, we'll see who can. You know, David Darius, Wilson, too, another guy we should throw yeah. out a kickoff return. We had that one great year. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see We'll see about that. But um, good question. Keep them coming. They're all well, good. some of the choices right now for punt return would be Golden Tate, Jabril Peppers, Corey Ballantyne, just for starters. I mean, there, there, there certainly are other guys who I think have the ability to do it, but those would be some of the guys you would want to be talking about. On kickoff return, there's uh, Corey Coleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would be Corey Ballantyne as well. Um, you know, they're going to have opportunities. And then, again, this rookie class has a bunch of guys who have some experience in the return game too. So we'll we'll see how that whole thing works out. But uh, right now I think it's a little bit too early to tell. 973-667-1960 is our phone number. Mark says, what do you think of Lorenzo Carter as an inside coverage linebacker? If he doesn't fit there, what uh, what do you think we could do? What what pick do you think we could get in a trade? I don't think he is a natural edge rusher at 3-4. I'm not sure why he's talking about a trade there, but the point is, to me, Lorenzo Carter is best suited on the outside. How do you feel, Jeff? Yeah, I just think, I don't think he's big enough to play that inside linebacker. I think he's got this, his skill set, those long arms, right? Tall mm-hmm. guy. Um, I, I just feel like that that's his that's where he needs to be, and this is a big year for him. And I think that Patrick Graham is going to do good things for him. I think that he'll put him in a position to succeed. 
and now it's just up to him. But I don't see him at middle linebacker. I don't. All right, we also have uh, Dylan who says, now that we have Blake Martinez, a great linebacker with experience, why aren't we making a big moves for uh, Jadavion Clowney? Uh, he talks about how they could possibly use Clowney. He says the Giants have a great opportunity to build an amazing defense in just one offseason with plenty of cap room left over. Well, A, I don't think they've got the kind of numbers that Clowney is asking for. And B, if you wound up having to make a bunch of moves to bring Clowney in with the numbers that he wants, you probably are doing more damage than good. Your thoughts? I agree. I think of the latter, I think you would, I, I agree with you more than anything. You're going to have to free up some cap space and get the money that he wants. So who are you going to get rid of? You know, are you ready to get rid of Nate Solder and, and put some of these rookie guys in there or Cam or somebody, you know what I'm saying? Well, you'll you'll take a huge cap hit if you were to uh, dispatch Solder right now. So that would you know be what? very unadvisable. I, I know he's a sexy pick, a guy that you want to come in here. But, you know, do you want a guy that doesn't play all 16 games? I mean, I don't know. I just think there's so much baggage with that guy. I, I'm with you. I, I Unless he came in literally for a bargain bin basement and discount price, Some, it's not going to happen. Way, I wouldn't gonna, bring him in. He, he's going to get his – he may not get what he's asking for, but he's going to get his money somewhere. Somebody's going to come into a pinch that needs a guy like him, and he's going to get it. Maybe it's the second game of the season. But, you know, I, I – or the second week of preseason, excuse me, if there is a preseason. I I just don't think the Giants need – I know that everybody need, says they, they need edge rusher, but let's just give Patrick Graham a chance to figure out what he could do with what he has here. Maybe well, let's he could, put it this way, Jeff. Before we even talk about that, could we not just tell people or remind them that even though he wasn't 100% last year in Seattle, in 13 games he had three sacks and 13 quarterback hits. Okay, big That's deal. That's 605 snaps on defense. <laughs> That's all he had. Can, yeah. can we remind people of that, first of all, before we get too crazy here? <laughs> Listen, I, I don't want to pay that kind of money for that type of production. And 600 snaps? Okay, I think, and I that's think my I point. I might be able to get one sack and 600 snaps. You know, and Lance Meadow might be able to get 13 quarterback hits. If used properly in the defense, you know, if they camouflage it enough. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, let's, let's like I said, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's give Patrick Graham a chance to build the defense that he wants. I'm killing Lance today. I'm sorry. You are. You really are. <laughs> I, I really am. He's not here, and I'm killing him. That's well, just Well, you're so going to be on with him tomorrow. So, yes. And I don't know if Lance actually listens to the shows. No, I don't think he But does. I'm going to send him a text to make sure that he knows I know you were you bashing him today. Anyway, ju just going over. <laughs> oh, uh, way to go away from that real quickly. Yeah, oh, anyway, yeah thank yeah. you very much. Okay. Overthecap.com does have a list that they just released, actually, I thought was kind of interesting. And it, it, it really goes to the point of what we were just talking about. He says the top remaining free agents on defense are Clowney, number one, Everson Griffin, the edge rusher from the Vikings at number two. Logan Ryan, the corner at number three. Eric Reed, a safety at number four. And number five is Marcus Golden, uh, the Giants outside linebacker, who right now is still on that uh, UFA tender tag. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who knows how that's going to work out. But, you know, I get it. I mean, th those are some names that people will recognize. The question becomes price tag and how much production per dollar are you going to get? Yep. And I, listen, I, I think there's just so much more going on 
right now in the NFL about getting the season and getting the players back and things like that, that there's more teams are set with their rosters right now. <clears throat> they were lucky enough to have the draft in this year, um, the way that they did it. Um, and I feel like until things start to happen again and, uh, you know, practices begin and play begins, all that kind of stuff. I don't think this is, this is, these guys are going to, they're just going to, they're going to sit there. Nobody's really, you know, that anxious to go out and sign these guys. There is one guy who intrigues me on his list and he's listed at number 14 and that would be former Giants corner Ross Cockrell who wound up signing a big money deal with the Carolina Panthers after yeah. he put up a good season for the Giants. And yeah. the only reason I bring him up is because I know when he played in the Giants scheme, when they played press man coverage, he had what I thought was a, a very solid season in the one year he was in the big blue. Good tackler. And, and, and he was solid fundamentally. And he was a good locker room guy. And in my opinion... You know, given the Giants' youth at the corner spot, and I know they have a bunch of guys, many, many guys who are going to compete for a job, if you wanted to bring in a veteran corner who might be, uh, you know, kind of like the uh, the safety net uh, below the trapeze, he would seem to be the kind of guy who you might be able to work out, you know, a decent one-year deal with, and he could, he could provide something for your club if yeah. you needed it. If you need it. And that, when are you going to need it? You're going to, you're going to figure out if you're going to need it after a training camp where these younger guys are competing um, and that there's injuries or anything like that. That's, that's kind of where it's going to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, and by the way, not just him, this is all these, this is all these players that are not signed yet um, going into whenever training camp is going to start. I mean, there's no way that we know until these guys can compete and win jobs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is a guy like Darnay Holmes, uh, he's oh, by the way, he's a returner too. We forgot to mention that. Um, he's a guy that could easily move into the starting lineup, right? I mean, this is a guy that I feel like is so good um, that, and I'm kind of off mark here, but I'm just saying I like I like this pick. And you know, if that guy moves into the starting role, and you know, there's some injuries here and there, and you need a veteran backup, then yeah, maybe he's the guy you go to. He had a good season. That's why he got a good contract. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and I'm not sure was Gettleman was at the, was Gettleman. Wait a sec. That was three years ago, right? So Gettleman was at the Panthers then or no, this is Gettleman's Gettleman. Year. This he's been with the Giants now for two and a half years. Yeah. So, so Cockrell was with, so did Gettleman bring Co him? Co Co Cockrell signed with Carolina after the 2017 season that he played with the Giants. Okay. Okay. All right. So that would have been uh, probably in March when free agency began. It would have mm -hmm. been in March of 2018 would have been when, when he signed with, uh, with Carolina. Okay. So, you know, look, here's what I'll say. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to diss, okay? I'm not trying to diss in any way, shape, or form. Am I trying to diss the Giants' corners they have now? Because I think those young corners deserve a chance to compete and deserve an opportunity to try to win a starting job, especially if we don't know what's going to happen to DeAndre Baker. But having said that, if you're looking for a starter who might be able to provide you some security, I just think that Cockrell is a guy who would certainly be of interest to me. Now, understand this. When Gettleman came to the Giants in December of, uh, of 17, remember it was right before – it was right before the uh, right at the end of the season. Yep. Remember, 
<laughs> right Do at the I end ever? of the season. <laughs> no, well, well, that's when it was because he, he's been here now at the end of 17, um, then 18, 19, and now this was this was his third, his yeah. third draft. So he was, in fact, the guy who did sign Cockrell away from the Giants in March of 18. I mean, he was not the guy. He was not the guy who signed Cockrell away because he was already with the Giants at that point. But in any case, I digress. Uh, jot down the number, folks. We will be here every weekday, 12 o'clock noon Eastern time on Giants.com. The name of the show, Big Blue Kickoff Live, 973-667-1960. Or you can always go to Giants.com slash podcasts slash BBK questions or hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. He is at Jay Fiegel's. I am at Giants WFAN. Jeff, it's been a fun hour. Look forward to doing it again. Sounds good, Paul. Thank you, and thank you for the callers and the questions. Appreciate it. A lot of fun talking special teams today, folks. If you didn't get a chance to listen, go to the archive and check it out. Fiegel's dig it in deep. That'll do it for today's show. So long, everybody.